Hey, all welcome to the uh, Common Good Podcast. Uh, very special edition today. It's November 6th, uh, and not because it's November 6th, but for Red Hat Blue Hat, this is a day we've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, I'm Doug Paget. That's Casey Franklin, always around on the Red Hat Blue Hat Talk. But today we get to be joined by uh, Maddie Franklin. Maddie is the daughter of Casey, and uh, this is such a treat to be able to have you, Maddie. Thanks, thanks for being here, and good to see you, Casey. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, I'm honored to join you today. So thanks so much. Oh, you're the best. Hey, uh, Maddie, we always start out talking about the weather, too. Just a little quick uh, reminder that we all do live under the same sky. We may not have the same thoughts in our heads. We may not have all the same plans in our date book. But we do share a planet and a sky. So here in Minneapolis, it's uh, it's hazy and 52, a classic fall fall day. Normally, I would say to you know your dad, Maddie, I'd say, uh, hey, what's what's the uh, Rocky Mountain High looking like today? And uh, but today I get to say, what's it like over on the other side of the big lake in in uh, Holland, Michigan, where you guys are no today? Problem. That's right. Yep, we're actually we're not too far from you now, Doug. Yeah. So, so what, what's the weather like there in Holland, Michigan? About the same. <laughs> is it? Is it? Yeah. It's the Midwest. It it's is. Midwest fall. It's yeah. breezy today. Yeah, it's very windy. We got the gray sky and the wind. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, well uh, for people who are not familiar with what we do around here, let me give them a little backup. Um, Casey and I have been friends for a long time. Casey, I was trying to total it up uh, today. I don't know. Are we talking 40 plus 35, 35 years? We're not, we're not to 40. 35, yeah, it's probably 35 years. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty close. That's a long time. Maddie, I was a college student, maybe a college senior or junior when I met your dad, who was a high school senior, I think, or maybe junior. So, uh, and you're a college senior now at Hope College. So I'm just telling you, you're going to meet somebody in the next, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And there's a chance that 35 years from now, you're still going to be talking to that person. Uh, so um, it's a- I just do the math. It's, uh, I think it is 37 years. 37 years. All right. Uh, so Casey and I have known each other for 37 years on the background of this, this thing. And we agree on so much. We have very similar backgrounds. We come from the same area. We met at the same church. Um, and we disagree about Donald Trump. We disagree about some politics, but pro- I feel like our most distinct difference is about whether Donald Trump is a positive force in society and for America, uh, or as I view it, Donald Trump is a hazard to the well-being of this planet and everyone who lives on it if he's the president of the United States. Uh, and uh, I want to do all that I can to persuade people of good conscience, good faith, and the common goodery to uh, not put their vote behind that guy to put him in that position again. We just don't need any more of that. Your dad has a different opinion, so we like to talk about that. And Maddie, maybe you know already one of the reasons we do this is that we want to be able to exhibit for others that people who are in long-term friendships can disagree about things, even politics and even religion, and still maintain relationships, still care for each other, still love each other, still want the best for each other, and still want to learn from each other, still want to have an opportunity to finish a conversation and say, I not only know something more about you, I know something new about our world that we live in, and I probably know something new about myself. Like if that's what we can get to, then we're, we're involved in human flourishing. Seems to me if we cut off any one of those, learning about another person, learning about our world or learning about ourselves, we're just, uh, 
We're just un, uh, unnecessarily cutting off something that could be very positive in our life. So anyway, that's what we do. Uh, and sometimes we get really animated about it. And, and, and I especially <laughs> do. Your dad, as you know, is a little more chill. Uh, so, um, so that's what we're doing. And we're so glad that you're here, Maddie. All right, enough of me talking. Tell us, uh, tell us about you for a moment. You're, uh, you're, you're a college student at Hope College. And uh, yes. give, us, give us a little recap on all that. Yeah. So I'm a college senior. I'm actually going to be graduating a semester early. So in about a month, actually, now I'm going to be um, heading back to Colorado. I already have a job lined up there. I am a business major, youth ministry minor. So we all have that in common, which is really great. Yeah. And I'm going to go back home and work for a, an organization called Turning Point USA. Mm-hmm which I heard you also have some opinions about. <laughs> so I do. I, do. Really- I, have a, I have a lot of opinions about Turning Point USA, uh, as, as apparently you do, uh, somebody who's going to be going to be working for them and would be glad to uh, you know, keep up with you about all that and can't wait for you to find great success uh, personally, uh, professionally, what you're up to. Um, hey, uh, what, what else did you just do in college? You're, you're at Hope College. So for people who don't know, that's a Christian college in West Michigan, in Holland, Holland Michigan. How else do you spend your time as a college student these days living the you know, full oh, life that you would have? Well, uh, this semester I'm doing a lot of work. I'm working two jobs and I have an internship. So I actually am taking very few classes. I'm only on campus two days a week. And then every other day of the week I'm working somewhere, somehow, just trying to save up for when I graduate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, amazing. <laughs> Can be amazingly expensive, right? Uh, trying to uh, trying to fund a fund a college life. Uh, yeah. Hey, do you have the do you have the music bug that your dad has? We we often end our our red hat blue hat conversations with uh, each of us playing a little bit of music. Do you have that same aspiration? Well, he definitely tried. It's okay. not for lack of trying. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I tried to get her into soccer and hockey. And... Yeah. Yeah, he did get me into golf. We do golf together. Yeah, we, we play golf. Yeah, but the I do have a guitar. I pull it out every once in a blue moon. <laughs> and I I like to sing, so I... I'm going to have her do some try, backup vocals. try and on, do some, uh, some of that sometimes. Some of my recordings. Yep. Yeah, she by the way, your, your dad's releasing music tomorrow to the world. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> Spotify, big Spotify release. Isn't that happening tomorrow, Casey? Is that true? It actually already happened. It happened uh, about a week ago. Oh, oh, I thought it was happening this week. Okay, well, well your dad's a, a new level of recording artist. Yeah. Hey, 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 Maddie, let, let me ask you this. When your dad told you that he was doing this, I don't know how, if he talked to you about it before we started Red Hat, Blue Hat, you know, conversation among two friends who disagree about Trump. Uh, if he told you that we were doing that before we started or after we got going, but what did you think about it when you when you heard about this idea? And then when he asked you to come on uh, and be one of our uh, one of our conversation partners here, What what did you think about it? How did it strike you? Yeah, great question. So I've actually, I've watched most of them because he loves to let me know about his conversations that he has with friends like you who he disagrees with. And I think it's such a healthy thing to do. And I don't think we do it enough because I, I probably say I have more friends now who agree with me, but I'd say in high school, I had friends who disagreed with me. But I didn't have the maturity and the know-how to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. So it's good that you open up the space to where we can actually talk 
yeah. respectfully and amic amicably with each other. And I think I, uh, <clears throat> I think when she first uh, heard about it, when I first told her about it, and she kind of either just was going based on what I shared a little bit, or maybe she had actually looked at it a little bit. I think her initial response was, who the heck is this Doug guy? <laughs> that's a, that's a question I've been asking myself. Uh, so it's yeah. a, a fine, fine question to ask. Um, is it, is that true? Like what, what tell me about that. Like what, what was that reaction? Was it like, Hey, why is this guy talking so sassy to my dad? Or was it like, well, who's this guy? Who's this guy who thinks these ideas? I don't like, like what, what, what struck you? And I d d promise you, no, no, no need to not tell me the truth. I'm totally comfortable here. Well, I, I don't, I don't remember my, my very first impression. I just know that he, he's never really talked about you before this whole, this whole debate. Sorry about that. So, sorry. And, <laughs> he's just, sorry. He's, he just has so many friends. So he yeah. talks about so many different What can people. I say? But I, I was like, this is something that you have never done before, Dad. Mm -hmm. Especially because we, he and I have very similar personalities. We don't really like conflict. So we don't like to address conflict very much. So this is, especially, I guess for me, because it's my first time, but like, this is something that's very much out of our comfort zone with, with addressing conflict yeah. and talking about it and then trying to come to some sort of conclusion about agreeing to disagree or whatever mm -hmm. other conclusion we can come to. You know, one of the th reasons that I think it's so important to love people who we disagree with is because at some point in our lives, we're going to realize that we disagree with our former selves, right? Mm -hmm. We will change, we'll develop, sometimes about things that don't really matter, sometimes about really important things. And if we don't have a practice of engaging with and being generous and kind and loving to people who we disagree with, we have a way to look back on our old selves and be really hard on ourselves, mm -hmm. right? Or as we feel ourselves starting to change, yeah. starting to develop new ways of being, or all of a sudden we do something we never thought we would do and we find ourselves living a life we never thought we would live. If we haven't made it a spiritual and personal and human practice, to love difference, then we're going to feel this rend, this, this ripping within ourselves about how we're going to care about ourselves and think about ourselves. And there's a whole lot of thoughts that end up wheeling around through our heads. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's a practice that is, you know, like world, uh, world success and in human flourishing requires it, but so does a lot of interpersonal work. You know, it just requires us to be a little bit more kind and gentle and generous mm -hmm. with, with each other and with our, with ourselves. Well said. Yeah. Very insightful, Doug. All right. So, so can, can I talk to you about Trump specifically since, since one of our, one of our foci here and your dad's always like, man, you got, you're letting Trump live rent free in your head. I'm like, Oh, that guy's a squatter. He has moved in. He's not, he's not living rent free in my head. He's living rent free metaphorically in my bedroom. Like he's and snuggled up next to me at night. He's just right there. Yeah. By the way, by the way, Maddie, uh, I often will tell Doug that he's way more in love with Donald Trump than we are. <laughs> yeah, right. right. He's going to prove it right here. <laughs> yeah. No one could care so much unless you deeply loved uh, this, this person. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair bet. And, and look, I, I do as a human being 
on the general scale. I don't know the man, but as a human being, uh, he's a beloved child of God, light of the light of the world, salt of the earth, like any of us are. He just has no business being the president of the United States or offering himself to the powers that come with the presidency, in my view. Um, so can you talk to me about your own experience with Donald Trump? One of the things that was helpful talking to your dad about this was he said, look, I wasn't even all that for Trump in the early days, 2015, maybe even early 16. And then as I listened to him more and then as he became president, I became more in favor of what he was up to. Can you just talk about your own experience? Um, you know, in, in our older lives, we can look back and go like, man, we've been struggling dealing with this guy for eight plus years. Well, that's one thing when you're 57. It's something else when you're, are you 22 or 23, something like that? 21. Yeah. yeah. When you're 21. So you're going all the way back to being 13 years old when this guy comes on, uh, comes on yeah. the scene. Um, can you just talk a little bit about your own introduction to Trump thinking about it and how you think about him now and, and this conversation yeah. that we're having? Yeah. So I first started getting into politics and I was like, who is this Trump guy around 2016 when he was obviously elected running for office. And I didn't really, it was, I, I think I had a, a lot of the same opinion as of my dad, because I was obviously 14 at the time and didn't really know much about politics. So I decided to do my own research all throughout his, I was going to say pregnancy, his, <laughs> his, his presidency. And I, men can't get pregnant. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But um, I'd say in, in 2020, when re-election time came around, I was 18, so I could vote. And I did vote for him because he, I saw what he had done during his four years. And I... Maddie, you're not supposed to admit that on the internet. What do you mean? <laughs> he asked for my opinion. I'm giving it. Yeah. And, Your oh, dad's boy. worried that people are going to hunt down Trump supporters and lock them up someday. Right, Casey? I'm, I'm barely kidding. But you're, you're, there's, there's a subset of you that really does buy that. Okay. Oh, yeah. so that's what uh, he's getting at. Yeah. I care, I care about my daughter's safety, you know. Yeah. Keep going. Well, we'll see. Yeah. So <laughs> I, um, and then when I, I've seen him speak a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Live even, right? Live. Yeah. Yep. I, um, I've been to a lot of Turning Point USA events and he has spoken there many times. So I've got to see him speak, which has been really, really cool. And I, I, I mean, I, if you want specifics, I can give you them, but I just think that he. I think he was the right person at the right time for what we needed. And I am of course bummed out that he is not currently president because I think who we have for president right now is not the most ideal, <laughs> but I, yeah, I'd say that's, it's a decent summary of my opinion. Do, do you think he lost the election? I, you're gonna hate this. I do think the I think that the election was stolen. Yeah. So you think more people in the states that mattered for the electoral college, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, mm -hmm. some of those, that more people in those states voted for Donald Trump than were recorded, or less people voted for Biden than were recorded, or how do you how do you do the math of it was stolen? Yeah, I do not believe that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. I think that's an insane number for his performance in the candidacy. 
and how he behaved compared to how Trump behaved. I think that Trump gained popularity during his presidency. And I'm, I'm a testament to that. And so am I. I believe that Joe Biden did not get as many votes as Trump did. And we see that with the, the shutdown overnight of the votes. And then we wake up the next morning and there's just this, there's just this vertical line of the amount of votes that were for Joe Biden. And then now Joe Biden's ahead of Trump. And I just think that that's a little bit too fishy to go. That's normal. That's natural. That's happened before that happens all the time. But it does. I mean, truly, <laughs> like in every yeah. single election, the same day votes are counted first and then the mail-in ballots are voted second. Most states have that by law for a whole lot of reasons. That sure. is how it goes. Well, I think the COVID pandemic was a huge player mm-hmm. in it. And many more people voted by mail than in person because mm-hmm. they were urged to vote by mail. Yeah, And I think that... I think that skewed the data a lot, personally. It, it created opportunities for uh, fraud. Ballot stuffing and, hmm. yeah, fraud. Funny business. Lots of funny business. And, and does, it, does it bother you, Casey or, or Maddie, does it bother you that with all the investigations that have gone into that in each of the states that would matter to you, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Georgia, Arizona, that they didn't find that to be the case, that they did forensic tests, and oftentimes even lawyers from the Trump side did their same recounts, all the recounts, and there was no indication of the things you're saying having happened? Does that, how, how do you deal with that information when yeah, you get kinda it? Kind of like when, when Hillary claimed that the Russians stole the election from her. No, no, I just want to mean on the counts, on the count of the votes, <clears throat> what do you do about that information where the, you know, the, all the people, and it was both the state and again, outside organizations, didn't find any of the thing that you're saying happened, that more votes were you know, taken away or votes were added. Yeah. What do you, uh, how, how, how do you think about that? Do, or do, do you think about it? I, I did think about it more than I do think about it now because yeah. We're obviously because some people can move on apparently yeah i'm like yeah, yeah so it's it's obviously been a hot yeah. minute that's happened yeah. so i don't think about it as much as i used to but i do yeah. think about the fact that people are biased and i think mm-hmm. that there there were a lot of wrong people who took a hold of those um and they just can't and they just can't catch them i mean i I, look i won't stay on this any longer if you're like that's my my answer is my answer but like they literally can't find the people that you're saying did these things that stuffed ballots or took it's kind of like you know we just can't figure out who brought the cocaine into the white we just we give up and we just can't figure it out we just or or where the laptop is yeah yeah Um, yeah. look it's it's just a curious i mean it's a curious argument right and and I'm, uh, I obviously don't believe it. I think, um, I, I, I don't even think, I mean, had Donald Trump not been out saying the election was stolen, I, I don't know you well enough, Casey, uh, Maddie, but Casey, for you, you know, I've said this many times, I think there's so many things you tell me you believe that I don't think you would believe if Donald Trump wasn't saying this is the thing to believe. And that just 
uh, that, that continues to, to bedazzle me. And I, I hear you saying that's not true. And I shouldn't, no. I shouldn't assume no. that. No, you shouldn't. When, when Donald Trump said that the election was stolen in 2012 and Mitt Romney didn't win. And he said the same things, mail-in ballots were fraudulent and all the rest. Did you believe it then? I don't remember that. Me, I was much, much younger. Yeah, and she was probably too young for that. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Well, I showed you all those quotes from Donald yeah, Trump in 2012 on Election Day. Yeah. So anyway, he's been, he said the same thing, Maddie, just so you know, in 2012 when Barack Obama won the election running against Mitt Romney. Word for word sometimes, including we need to march on Washington and, and it's a fraud and all the rest of it. So very curious, very curious set of set of data. All right. Um, I won't stay on that one any longer. If you guys don't want to, you, you good. I was just, I'm just intrigued by that. It feels like it's a bit of a litmus test, not a litmus test uh, of an indicator question. Do you think it was a free and fair election that took place on 20 in 2020 or not? Well, let me, let me just say it this way. What I've noticed is that when Democrats question elections, it's totally fine. Democrats question elections all the time when they lose, but when Republicans do it, Oh no, you can't do that. You can't question a free and fair election. You can't question the election integrity. That's not allowed. And I think it's a double standard. And I think that we're gonna, eventually we're gonna get to the bottom of this. But uh, the point is we have to have free and fair elections and we have to have election integrity and we have to mm -hmm. not allow uh, for easy cheating and fraud. Totally. totally. And that, that's important and voter ID and some other things that are, are important to have in place to make sure that we have legal people that are voting, uh, only voting once. Um, so I, I think we need to make some changes to make that happen. But uh, my main point that I want to make is that Hillary Clinton and Democrats, they can question elections all day long, but when Republicans do it, it's awful, terrible, no good and immoral and wrong. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, Look, I, I've said this many times to, to you, and I don't know who the who the they say it's right or they say it's wrong you're referring to, but no one should be questioning the validity of elections once they've been certified. And if they've been tested and certified and there's full systems at the at the state level. And I can name them for you if you at like. The, at the state. Well, and I will say and I say to those people when they say that stuff, like I've been hearing that for a very, very long time, been hearing it. It's not true. Okay. We don't have we don't have fraudulent elections. So I'm not oh. clear what you're and, and this is an interesting thing. I don't know if what you're saying is Democrats are hypocrites or if you're saying Democrats were wrong that the election was stolen in 2016 or if you're saying Trump was right in 2012. Democrats were wrong in 2016 and Trump was right in 2020. I'm not sure what your argument is when you say, well, if they say it, it's it's okay. But if we say it, it's not. It's not really the point to was it a free and fair election or not. I, w I would think you would be confident saying, no, the election wasn't stolen in 2016. Did people behave in ways that were inappropriate by doing all kinds of little things to bump the election? Yeah. But look, Facebook utilizing or uh, Russians utilizing Facebook to change public opinion about Hillary Clinton and divide Americans. That is Russian interference in our election. Sure. But it didn't make the election unfair. No one's saying the election was unfair that I know. Nobody re reputable. 
So, but but the point should then be not, well, it was fair then and not fair now. And and this is a thing that happens when this conversation comes, not only with the two of you, but it certainly does, Casey, because we've been around around this tree a number of times for anybody that's a frequent listener. Um, but it comes up in, with, with others as well. I'm sure friends and family over the holidays are going to be having these conversations at home. So, you know, they're going to be uh, thinking about these things, too. It, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's a if the argument is it's OK to question the validity of elections. So it's OK that Hillary Clinton did it. It's OK that we're doing it now. It's OK. Trump did it in 2012. It's OK that that uh, Republic Democrats did it in 2000 in Florida. It's all OK. Or, no, let's not be ginning up these stories without facts to say the elections are fraudulent. And I feel like we're on the edge of basically saying we either have fair elections in the United States or we don't. Because if you're going to say that this election in 2020 was fraudulent to this level, the game is over for elections. I don't know how anybody moves forward with we should trust elections. But I, I don't know. So that'll be my last comment about it. And if either of you want to say anything more, I'd be thrilled to hear it because I think this is obviously, you know, <laughs> I go on and on about it. I think this stuff's super important. Yeah. yeah. My only thing is that I think it's it's good to look ahead and not backward. And so I, I'm personally looking ahead to 2024. I'm not really... Yeah. I'm not focusing so much on the past anymore just because it's 2023 now. And I'm just, I'm excited and looking forward to what the future holds. Love it. Great, great transition. Well, 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 well done. Uh, okay, Casey, you, you got a couple of things I know you, you wanted to bring up. Yeah. And sent me some slides. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm really concerned right now about, um, what's going on in the Middle East and uh, the seemingly uh, worldwide uh, opposition to Israel and some of the things that are happening on the college campuses and in the uh, quasi, what I would call quasi insurrection that happened over the weekend at the White House. I don't know if you saw any of that, um, but uh, there were thousands of people uh, that were um, protesting, uh, peacefully protesting, but they were also uh, throwing red paint onto the, the White House fence and uh, yelling profanities at, at our president and for his support of Israel. And, uh, <clears throat> and then they were also trying to climb the White House fence. There's video footage of that. And uh, the, the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas uh people in this country uh, and worldwide is, is kind of scary. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, wow, these people are coming out of the woodwork. I had no idea that there were so many people in the world that were um, anti-Israel hmm. and anti-Semitic and anti-Jewish. And, um, you know, there's, there's statistics about um, the number of, of uh, violence that's been committed against uh, Jews uh, in our country. <clears throat> and it's increased by like 300%. And yet Joe Biden and the administration along with uh, Kamala, uh, they're more concerned about Islamophobia than they are about uh, Jewish hate. So there's a lot of things uh, going on that, that really disturb me right now. And, uh, and the fact that uh, Representative Tlaib has been 
coming out uh, very pro Hamas, very pro uh, terrorist, and her own colleagues are now condemning her for that. So that that's what I wanted to to show on the screen now. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's these uh, screen grabs. Uh, they're from Twitter, are they? These things? Yeah. X. Oh, X. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they look like it. All right. So, um, yeah, so there's apparently uh, Rashida, Congresswoman woman, uh, Rashida Tlaib, wrote something about the river to the sea is an aspirational call for freedom, human rights, and peaceful coexistence, not death, destruction, or hate. Mm -hmm. and yeah, and then uh, her, own, her own colleagues in her own state uh, have come out against that and strongly condemning that statement and, and asking her to retract that statement because as uh, uh, Senator uh, Jeremy Moss, is it? Yeah. Uh, he says, this is not how Jews view the phrase from the river to the sea. Yeah. This is not how Hamas views the phrase from yeah. the river to the sea. Hamas uses it as a rallying cry and they don't simply want to displace Jews in Israel. They want Jews dead. That's, so it, that's from it, our own policy. Yeah, right. And so, so let me just clarify here. You think the Biden administration is being pro Hamas? That's no, 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 no. They're uh, publicly. Um, Biden has come out in defense of Israel. Uh, at least initially, he did, and that's why these protesters are are right. suddenly against him. Right. Um, but on the other hand, he's also uh, kowtowing to them a bit now because I think he's seen the opposition in his own party. So he's been calling for these so-called pauses. Um, yeah. Yeah. Humanitarian pauses. Yeah. yeah which, you know, which they do in wars all the time. Yeah. Uh, well, no, not not actually. No, I would disagree with that. Um, but, you know, anyways. Yeah. So he's come out publicly uh, stating that Israel has the right to defend themselves and his own party sure. uh, elements of his own party are not happy with that. So I think it's going to actually create a serious problem. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Look there. His, his, his support of Israel. I mean, this is what I find curious. Yeah. I think Biden's support of Israel is so aggressive that it's going to cause people who want to see the end of Hamas and want to see the end of terrorism and the protection of Palestinian peoples right there's a big difference between hamas and palestine i think congresswoman talib was re referencing the people of palestine not hamas so to say the jews don't see it that way and hamas doesn't see it that way that's not what she was saying i get the argument that they're having which is hey maybe don't use that phrase even though the palestinian peoples see it this way because two other groups of the three the jews the, the nation of israel rather the uh, Hamas and the Palestinian people are all tied up in this thing together. Um, but Biden's going to pay a severe support cost because it seems to me that the, the administration is so leaned into Israel gets to do what Israel wants to do here, um, mm, which I, I, I don't know about that. So let me let me ask you a question, Doug. Yeah. So are you are you in agreement with uh, Tlaib? I have. I don't even know that phrase. I don't have uh, any idea. Don't know Look, no, I don't. I've, no, I've never. Have you, have you heard that phrase before? You put a oh, yeah, that's the about? chant all the time. Oh, yeah, no, the well known totally. chant yeah. that, uh, and it's not just Hamas that chants that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, 
Yeah, but do you understand it now that that you've heard it? You understand it? Yeah, yeah, not? yeah, yeah. I, I do, and I understand that you know these are these are battle cries for that different people and different groups take to mean to mean various things. Yeah, and look, I, to, to to try to peg like an administration that doesn't agree with Congresswoman Tlaib, uh, I, I don't I don't understand that argument at all. Like that's not what Biden is saying. He's saying the opposite of of those things, um, and I don't think Tlaib represents everyone, nor does everyone who agrees with uh, Congresswoman Tlaib on 90% of issues might not agree with Congresswoman Tlaib on this issue. So the, right, this, thing, a, this thing cuts 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 differently uh, than, than, other, than other issues. Because it's one thing to have a difference of opinion. It's totally something altogether different to be pro-terrorist. They're not pro-terrorists. Why do you uh, interpret that as pro-terrorist? She has been nothing but stating pro Hamas statements pro Palestinian statements do you do you think there's a difference between pro Palestinian statements and pro Hamas statements or does it feel to you like anything that's pro Palestinian is quasi pro Hamas is that is that what happens like you, it just feels like those well, are the same Palestinians elected Hamas I understand so while they're technically different their ideologies are much the same. Okay. Do you feel, okay. So let's talk about this in the United States as a metaphor. Do you feel like, because the American people elected Joe Biden and the Biden administration, that the Biden administration's perspectives represent you? They're essentially the same because the American people elected him. I don't think that's a good metaphor because, because the Palestinians have been, anti-Jewish their whole history. I mean, they're programmed as children to hate the Jews. They watch cartoons that are put on their TVs to hate Jewish people. That's what they do. That's how they live. That's how their society is structured. That's very different from America where we have freedom of expression and freedom to believe what we want. And not everybody's programmed to believe a certain way, although I could make a case that the media is programming people to believe a certain way. I've, I've heard you make that case before, indeed. There's a big difference here. Can I add sure. something to you? Yeah, please. So I was able to visit Israel this summer with, uh, with a group before this whole thing happened, and I'm so blessed that I was able to go. I was there for two weeks, and we learned all about the geopolitical conflicts of Israel and Palestine. We actually had the opportunity to go into Palestine and Jericho specifically, which is in the Palestinian territory. We got to eat lunch there, mm -hmm. which was a wild experience. And Israeli citizens are not allowed in Palestine. Mm -hmm. They say it in three languages, English, Arabic, and Hebrew on their sign as you're entering Jericho. And what did you have to do to prepare to go there? And I'm getting there. Okay. So. <laughs> And when we were eating lunch there, our tour guide told us, hey, before we go in, you need to remove any Christian or Jewish paraphernalia that you have on you. And I normally I wear a cross necklace and I had to take off my cross necklace. I had Jewish friends on the trip with me who had to take off their stars of David. Any like I couldn't wear this T-shirt there when we were when we were eating lunch when we were eating lunch there. And so when we get to the restaurant, we come to discover that they have a portrait on the wall of a terrorist from Hamas. 
and they they openly it almost seems like they worship these terrorists and all of a sudden it became so real to me and i said this is not a safe place to be and as we were driving around it looked like i don't know if you play video games i don't but people were comparing it to like a halo or call of duty war map where it's just destroyed apocalyptic they have no respect for life they have no respect for their buildings and it was a an earth-shaking experience for me just to see that even though we were there for a day especially in contrast to the israel and in contrast to israel israel is one of my i was there for two weeks it was one of my favorite places that i've ever visited in the whole world it's beautiful it's gorgeous they have such a respect for life they have such a respect we went to the holocaust museum it was just this gorgeous amazing experience and just to see as a christian all of the um religious monuments and mm-hmm. landmarks i got to go to the sea of galilee and capernaum very cool whole other mm-hmm. conversation about my trip yeah. there but well well thanks for thanks for sharing that story i'm glad, glad you had the experience being in palestine it was wildly different from so very stark contrast when right. you were there for that afternoon did you spend any time with palestinian christians so that's that's a very interesting question so um, our tour guide um, was telling us, and he he's Israeli, he's from Israel, grew up there, and he was telling us that it is very difficult to be a Christian in Palestine because you are not allowed to be a Christian in Palestine. You are not allowed to be Jewish in Palestine. Yeah, there's but there's Christians and Christian groups in Palestine. I mean, Lots of I mean, I, so I didn't visit Gaza. I visited the West Bank. We were supposed yeah. to visit oh. Gaza. But there was a uh, there was a lot of safety issues there, so we weren't actually able to go. But uh, turns out that the safety issues were probably legitimate. It was yeah, we were supposed to go to Cetero, which is this yeah. border border town. Yeah, that's the town that got attacked. And it was the town that it was yeah, lots of so, crazy. Well, well, thank you again. Th- th- thanks for that story. It 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 sounds to me though like what you're both saying is that the difference between the Palestinian people and Hamas is indistinguishable or non-meaningful in other words they've been Um, and by the way what i would say doug is you know uh and and i know we might we may or may not get to this other topic of christian nationalism but we actually uh we actually both watched your two and a half hour presentation in uh, hershey on youtube last night and i noticed that one of the things two and a half hours maybe you watched whatever it was it just just feels longer than it is yeah like four It's like watching Titanic. You're like, oh my yeah. gosh, still? Yeah. We're still on yeah. the boat? But one of the things that you talk about in there is the spectrum mm-hmm. of you've got your resistors, you got your uh, adapters, and you got your ambassadors. And I know there's a couple other ones, accommodators. Mm-hmm. I would say that, you know, that's a very true uh, concept in most belief systems. Yeah, yeah. So I would say, and I've never been there and I don't, I'm not speaking from experience. Maddie's had much more experience being in those places than I have. But my sense is that, you know, I'm just guessing that there's people that are on that spectrum. There's people that lean more Hamas and there's people that are probably accommodating them. Uh, And then there's people maybe on the other end of the spectrum saying, I don't think this is a good idea for them to be promoting what they're doing and killing Jews. Um, but my point is, is that <clears throat> Palestinians 
by and large, from what I understand, uh, do not like Jews. And um, many of them believe that Israel should be wiped off the map. They have no right to exist. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what the Palestinian demonstrators at the White House and in college campuses and all over the world have been saying. They might as well be shooting the rockets themselves Mm. because they're chanting the same thing. They're not Hamas themselves, but they are taking up the same messaging as Hamas. Killed you. I, I just I just think, look, I mean, this is what people talk about the United States. We travel to other countries and people say, well, you can say you're an American citizen, but it's your tax dollars that are spending the money and should be death to America. And all. and like, I just think when we don't separate the political uh, um, uh, perspectives and the political positions from the people, mm-hmm. when this horrible, murderous atrocities happened on October 7th in Israel. The opposition to the Netanyahu um, government was severe by these by the Israeli people. He was in serious, serious trouble. There were protests in the streets about how bad it was. So, so, So there is a major difference between the positions of governments and the positions of people. And what a lot of people are arguing, humanitarian groups and faith groups and, and humanist groups and others are saying, we have to do a better job in the Gaza Strip when the military action from the government of Israel is going to seek to wipe out Hamas. We have to do it better than how it's going. That is not pro-Hamas. And I just think, I'll just say from my own, my own reaction, I'd love to talk about the Christian nationalism stuff. If you go back and listen to this, when I asked, do you think there's a difference between Palestinian people and Hamas? You started talking about how they're indoctrinated as children to hate Jews. So it starts to sound like there's no difference. And, and wow. I, will just, I will just push for recognizing, and that's that spectrum of you, you know full, full ambassadors and accommodators and resistors and so on, is a, is a nice way to think about the world, that people are on a spectrum. But look, if, if we overly consider that the government of Hamas, which I don't think there's a lot of free and fair elections happening in Palestine. I'll just tell you, I mean, maybe there is in the United States. Pretty sure Hamas is in for a whole lot of reasons that have nothing to do with everybody's like, we're really pro Hamas. But Hamas has never represented itself as anything other than an opposition government to the nation of Israel and wants to be a war with Israel. That's that's not me putting words in their mouth. That's Uh, their statements of being right. That's why they exist. Let me clarify they don't want to be at war with Israel. They want to wipe Israel off the map. Yeah, I, I know. I know that's 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 rhetorical. Look, but Casey, that's rhetorical. That's rhetorical talk. Wipe no, that, them off the map. What they mean? Have you what read they their mean? You can't dismiss that, Doug. I'm not no. dismissing it. I'm telling you what the word means. When people say that, what they mean is Israel should not be recognized as a nation. Well, that that's is what... our land. That is different than wipe it off the earth. Now, I know you're using that metaphorically because that is a metaphor to wipe okay. something yeah. off is a metaphor. Yeah. But but it's a kind of language when and there's all kinds of argument whether there should be two states. I was I asked you a couple weeks ago if you believe in a two state solution that Palestine should be yeah. a nation and Israel should be a nation. You said yeah. no. So are you saying you want to wipe Palestine off the map? Of course not. 
That's not what you're saying. So to put that word in your mouth would would not be fair to you. I'm just I'm not I'm not. I, and look, I'm not doing their bidding. I'm just saying when you attribute other words to them about what they mean, then you're doing their bidding actually. And We're I don't think it. And I don't no, think it helps. Read their words and and take take them at their word. Yeah. Uh, well, you seemingly don't because when the Palestinian people say we want peace, you're like, yeah, but I don't take you at your word because of Hamas. So who's who's who whose word and and, and are you going to take and at what point? So, um, look, I don't think you should be taking Hamas at their word on a lot of things they're saying about this war. But on the other hand, there are innocent people that need to get out of Gaza. What the hospital? Okay, but I don't know why we're talking about this. I, I mean, other than we can disagree, we don't disagree. You better listen to this, Doug. My friend's family members who went to Israel with me, she's Jewish. Two of her family members were kidnapped by Hamas. And they were just released, I think, last week. And she was texting me about it. And they they don't treat their hostages very nicely. Of course not. Look, Hamas Hamas should not be the government. The United States government, the Biden administration, has been opposed to Hamas running Gaza from its inception. Trump wasn't, but they are. And they've been trying to eliminate the power of Hamas consistently. The United States government has consistently for a decade. No one's debating that. What I'm all I'm bringing up is I think you're making a conflation. And, 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 and Maddie, I'll just be clear here. One of the things that I've learned from your dad is that his opposition or his support of Trump, which leads us into a lot of these conversations, is really rooted in an opposition to Democrats. I've asked your dad many times. He will say it's probably said it to you growing up. Democrats are really socialists and Marxists and pseudo communists under another name. They don't desire the best for the United States of America, and they're a hazard to this country. Okay, he thinks that about Democrats. I just think that about one guy, Donald Trump. Right? He thinks <laughs> it about he thinks it about Democrats. So anyone who can oppose and stop Democrats, he's for him. Donald Trump is the person he believes can do that. It's one of the great reasons he supports him. Casey, if I've misspoken at all, please please clarify. But your dad's opposition to Democrats is hunting around and finding, I, I believe leads him to hunt around and find one congressperson that wrote one tweet. And all of a sudden it is, this is what I mean. And I think Casey, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but you're like, because she's actually telling the truth and the rest of you Democrats that actually support Hamas are not telling the truth. We just found a leaker in the group. Do, do I have that wrong? If I have that wrong, feel free to correct me. Yeah. No, I think that um, you've, you've got most of that right. And, you know, I wouldn't have said that uh, several years ago. I think things have changed uh, for the worse. Um, and um, I mean, you know, this gets back to the whole thing about do you attribute something to someone that they don't um, attribute to themselves, um, which, you know, well, I think you do that with Christian nationalism. But anyways, um, as far as Democrats go, when someone takes such an extreme position where they're supporting terrorists, then even people in their own party have to go, wait a minute. Yeah, sure. Okay. So, so somebody, somebody steps out of line in your, in your view, yeah, but instead it's like, that's an indicator of the entire, the there's rot, there's rot at the root. There's not just rot on well, the, the fruit. You no, know, it's like politically, that's not going to fly. And they know that. So they're like, okay. we better pull back a little bit. 
Uh, all right. But but again, is is it? I mean, is your belief fundamentally that what uh, Congresswoman Tlaib wrote is really what Democrats believe? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, some, I think, some do. Some some Democrats are very anti-Semitic and anti-Jewish and anti-Israel. Wow. Not all, but some. Okay. Do you think and, people on the right are anti-Semitic? Uh, sure, there's yeah. some. Do you think sure. the Unite the Right people, where Trump said there's good people on both sides, do you think that crowd's anti-Semitic? The Jews were chanting. You don't, don't, know, chant, you don't know, know the Unite the Right crowd that were in that in that march and chanting the Jews will not replace us and no. supporting Donald Trump? It was just like you didn't know about the river to the sea yeah. comment. No, fair enough. I just want to be clear that that whole thing that happened in Charlottesville, the Charlottesville uh, marches and the woman was killed and the court cases and all that, you're unfamiliar with that. Okay. All right. Not super. I'll, send, I'll send I'll send you some stuff about that. Look, anti-Semitism is a bigger problem on the right than it is on the left. I disagree. How so? How so? There's just more people. There's some data on well, that. Well, the FBI. Yeah, it's it's I'm glad to. The FBI has determined domestic terrorism, conservative right-leaning domestic terrorism, is the greatest threat in the United States. And what? That. That's those ridiculous. groups and those groups. Who represent that? Wow, that's All great. Right. Hello. You guys got a great. Uh, people are just listening to the podcast. The sun just came in through the windows oh, and just put yeah. stripy lines right on their faces, like it was like touched by an angel episode. Finally, here we are. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So we'll we'll have a conversation about that. But it's not debatable that in the United States, the law enforcement agencies, including the FBI, have stated that right leaning groups, right fundamentalist groups that are anti-Semitic are the greatest threat to the well-being of, of, uh, to, to, the, to probably terrorism. Their, their focus and concentration on conservatives and, uh, conservative parents at school board meetings is probably, and, uh, their, and also their obsession with Trump is probably why they missed the intelligence that just happened. Yeah, no, I, no, they're not. It's the same people that attacked the Capitol on January 6th. All right. Um, <laughs> It is. It's the Proud Boys. It's the Proud Boys. It's the one percenters. No, like literally it is those groups. Those are the groups that the FBI has been targeting for a very long time that are the anti-Semitic groups. Have they have they rioted and burned down buildings in the name of anti-Semitic anti-Semitism? Yeah, I'm in Minneapolis. Exactly. As I, as I told your dad, people often don't know this. The people arrested for burning down buildings in Minneapolis, which is what I think you're referring to. Are the white supremacists? Yeah, they, they came in. I know you can laugh all you want. It's a one Google search away. Sorry, the more they black people. Yeah, yeah, because because they came. Say, sorry, say it again. Are there black white supremacists? No, it's no. They weren't black people that were doing it, and that's and that's what came out in the court cases. They were not black people that were burning the building. In fact, I was standing there watching people do it, then, literally. There. Can you explain the, okay, how about the congressmen and women who were the ones that were promoting it, like Nancy Pelosi, who said, go out into the streets. And Kamala Harris, who bailed out the people yeah, in jail. I was, look, I was out in the streets. I was standing between the police and uh, and peaceful protesters getting tear gassed and shot with rubber bullets by the police. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Stuff happened, but, I'm yeah. there. Uh, I'm there. All right. So so let's talk about. Uh, but th but that's not supporting people that were burning the buildings down. I was also there for that. And those people have been arrested. And as it turns out, they're people that came in from outside of this area to agitate a race war. Go, it's a, it's been a long term. 
possible that that happened at uh, January 6th. Yeah, it's well, we've had court cases. We've had court cases about that. Look, you can either trust the court cases, which I choose to on these issues. I'll do it on the Black Lives Matter protests and I'll do it on January 6th. Or you can make up your own stories and say, it doesn't matter. We don't have any information or facts about that. I'm just going to believe it because I want to. Those are two choices. I, I totally get that. And you might well, that, say, well, there's information I don't know yet, but I'm sure it exists. That's a fair argument. A lot of us do that about a lot of things. More facts. I just choose not to do that. There, there are court cases about think, January 6th, and there are court cases about the burning of the buildings in Minneapolis. All right. Can you guys stay for a few more minutes so we can talk about Christian nationalism? I know, Maddie, you have work to do because you are you have internship uh, responsibilities. Your dad and I, on the other hand. <laughs> well, I told my internship that I was coming here. And they were like, go and do your thing, Maddie. So I'm on the hook. Good for them. I'm here. Good for them. All right. Well, let's talk about this Christian nationalism thing. Uh, Casey, you referred to it. I'll just give people who don't know. We, we travel the country and do trainings around confronting Christian nationalism in the United States. One of those we're doing on November 30th, right there where you two are now in Holland, Michigan. We've done them all across the country. We have uh, many versions of them online on our YouTube channel and on our vocommongood.com website audio versions, short versions, long versions, all kinds of stuff. I tried to say in the uh, in the presentation, and maybe at this one, Casey, I even said, I imagine two people sitting in a chair in yeah, front of me. Were they us? No, it was you. You're, you're, you're one of them. Uh, I can't remember. In fact, Casey, sometimes, so, sometimes I, even, I even joke and say, I have two people sitting in front of me. One of them will say his name, Paul, and one's named, I don't know, Casey. So Paul and Casey were here, and I act like they're like fake names, but they're real names. Yeah, no, they're actual real names. And they're real, true friends of mine that I really do want and hope, and I've sent you that material before and wanted you to look at it, so I'm glad that you did. Um, I'm interested in your thoughts about Christian nationalism. I tried to articulate as well as I could that a lot of Christian nationalists don't like to use the term. In fact, showed you know Perkins and uh, his crowd um, mocking uh, Christian nationalism as a concept uh, because that's what they they believe it's not a legitimate critique at all. So I wanted to make that fair. Do you think I represented that well, or was there were there pieces of what Christian nationalists believe that I got wrong, or was I falsely attributing Christian nationalism to people who are not actually Christian nationalists? There's something else. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of questions in there, but. <laughs> I'll let Maddie talk uh, yeah. about the the presentation that you gave. Yeah, you, yeah, we'll stay there or what you talk about whatever, but yeah, that. yeah, you claim that they were a. You say that they were like a domestic terrorist organization. Mm, that's a good question. Do you what consider nationalists a domestic terrorist group? No, 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 because Christian oh. nationalism is a perspective. It's not one group. It's a okay. it's a way okay. of viewing the world that. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there are Christian nationalist groups that are domestic terrorist groups. Yeah, that's not debatable. I mean, they're on a list by the United States government as a as a as a, a group like that in their whole Christian nationalist views. But no, a lot of Christian nationalists. Well, like I said in the, the in the presentation, like there's a lot of people who think they conflate what it means to be a Christian nationalist and what it means to be a Christian in America, like yeah. Jeff Sessions, you know, when he was attorney general quoting the book of Romans. Uh, in 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 introducing legislation uh, about separation of families coming to the border, like it just, and you know, I said there in that in that presentation, um, I don't want Jeff Sessions using uh, Book of Romans, and I don't want 
Nancy Pelosi using the book of Matthew, which she does too regularly when she wants to talk about policies that are going to care for the uh, the most vulnerable among us. None of us should be using Bible passages as the rationale for our Bible or for our lawmaking. We might want to use it for our own motivation for why we care about that law. That's great. But we shouldn't use it as the rationale for the legal argument. We need to have other legal arguments for everything, which I think is the fundamental difference between Christian nationalists and not Christian nationalists. Not if you're Christian or not. I'm a Bible-following, Jesus-loving, evangelizing Christian. But I don't want that perspective to be the perspective that our lawmakers are taking uh, as the rationale for the laws that they're passing. Yeah, so that... I have a question then, because your organization is Vote Common Good, right? So where do you derive your common good from if it's not from the Bible? Well, it depends on what the topic is, right? So some common good, like fiscal policy. I don't think you want to go to the Bible for your fiscal policy. (laughs) It's a little little tough. Um, When it comes to, uh, you know, uh, how many parts per million of air pollution the the FDA should allow, I don't think we want to go to the book of Leviticus or, you know, the book of Colossians. It's not useful for that. So there's all kinds of goodness that comes from other places. And if we only have the Bible as a single source for the goodness of something, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come from anywhere else in secular society, mm-hmm. then we cannot put that into law because then we have a religious law. Look, and I don't want Muslims using the book of Quran as the rationale for the laws that they're going to pass and support. And I don't want Jews using the Torah, and I don't want Christians using the New Testament. If that's the only place you can go for a sense of good, because there's a lot of people who aren't Christian at all or used to be Christian or maybe someday will be Christian mm-hmm. who understand what goodness is. In fact, Jesus was very uh, explicit on this point that we don't hold the inside track on goodness. Our call to follow in the way of, you know, of God is to live into the goodness that we know not we're the only ones who know what good is that it's it's just got the thing sort of sort of backward in jesus teaching so that's how that's how i view it how do you see it how do i view the common good goodness yeah Where, where do you think goodness derives from do you think it's only derives from the bible so i don't think people are born inherently good i think we're born inherently bad and sinful because fallen nature we live in a fallen world and therefore we are naturally inclined to do the wrong thing over the right thing and it takes us going against our flesh and our earthly desires hello son yeah and and just makes me angelic what you're saying though it's really (laughs) (laughs) it's a sign (laughs) and i think it takes i just think it takes a religious and higher power to tell us what is good and what is evil. And I believe that that's Jesus Christ. I think that we, we take what the Bible says and we go, okay, I know I'm naturally inclined to sin. I know I'm naturally inclined to lie and not do the right thing. But Jesus tells me from the Bible and even in the old Testament that actually this is the right thing to do. 
on every topic? Um, sure. <laughs> really? <clears throat> there's principles. There's principles that can okay. be directed. See, here's, here's the problem, Doug. Um, first of all, your idea of goodness and my idea of goodness may be two different things. How do we decide what the definition of goodness is and what what is really good? And then, totally. and then how do we decide how we get it and where it comes from? And, yeah. and so those are all very uh, subjective and kind of like mm-hmm. all kind of ethereal. They're not uh, always concrete. Um, now, yep. if you're talking about morality, now that's something a little different, I think, than what you're necessarily referring to as kind of like a general goodness. Um, and I may be putting words in your mouth, but my sense is that you're when you say good and you refer to common good, um, you're not necessarily just speaking of rea- of morality. Um, and so, in my opinion, um, part of the problem with your approach uh, about life and politics uh, is that what I see and what I saw from your, your presentation last night is that you simply want to kind of remove religion from government and you want to replace God with government. And the founders were very different in their understanding of that. In fact, they were very concerned about morality and, and goodness uh, in terms of morality. And they felt that morality only comes from one place. We can't, we can't get it from anywhere but outside of ourselves. And whether you believe they were Christians or not, which I believe most of them were, or had a strong influence of Christianity in their in their lives, mm-hmm. they understood that good government cannot exist without religion and without morality, because we don't get morality without some sense of religion. So that's my critique of, of uh, your Christian nationalism thing. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the critique. It seems like though when I asked when when I asked Maddie, does the Bible give you instructions on every topic? You said what well, gives principles, and then you said to me, and your problem, Doug, is that you like living in an ethereal world without specifics. So is it that the Bible teaches you the principles, or it teaches you the specifics? Because I'm trying to say it's something that can help somebody understand the goodness of God in the world and it's not useful on every topic. And you seem to say that same thing and then said, but that's your problem is that you don't have uh, an authority to turn to on every topic. Mm-hmm. No, uh, no, it's not exactly what I said. Okay. Uh, the Bible is the source of a lot of things and it does it does address certain issues um and we learn about god and we learn about jesus through the bible that's his revelation and we also uh gain principles uh through it right. and do you learn does, about tax policy that address tax policy <laughs> well jesus kind of addresses that uh in his own way does yeah sure yeah like 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 pay your taxes and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people then don't want to pay their taxes and stop the IRS. Yeah. Look, but here, I mean, look, here's, here's the point I'm trying to make. You can pick the Bible and I'd be, if we wanted to, and I would be totally comfortable with that. If the two of you and others would follow my understanding and teachings of the Bible, 
because this thing that you're saying that like people are inherently not good, then they come to the Bible and then they have a transformative experience. So now they can understand good. But when it comes to deep issues, just even of Christian faith, people really disagree. So what value is there in saying the Bible is the authority, yet it has to be interpreted by all of us and then put into practice? And those interpretations and putting into practice are then so divergent that you can't even go to somebody else's church and always feel comfortable. You don't want them teaching your children the things they think, even though they're teaching the Bible. So the Bible's function is not simply... I read it and then I apply it. We know there's another fact in there, which is that we all are engaged in it because it's the human project of reading and interpreting and putting things into practice. So it feels like it skips a step when people, Maddie, frankly, say the stuff you're saying, which is I want the Bible to be the thing that leads us to a transfer because that sun is cracking me up uh again if people are only listening on the audio there are just streaks of sunlight just bright in both their eyes maddie's moving her head around trying to get out of it. all right so so i do think a lot of oh look at that so i do think a lot of this has to do with an interpretation of the bible which i also think is a big question when it comes to christian nationalism right like my argument is there are Christian nationalists who try to say Christian nationalism is just because we started as a Christian nation, always will be a Christian nation, and that settles it. But modern-day Christian nationalists, and I would even say a group like Turning Point USA that advocates for what I would consider to be one of the new variants of Christian nationalism, is not. that's not fundamentally their argument. Their argument fundamentally is Christians should have influence on the laws that we make. And really, I think they almost go so far as to say and you tell me if I'm wrong about this, I, I hope I am, that only a born-again Christian person has the proper spiritual insight to be a lawmaker. Because the thing you described, Maddie, that people don't have access to the goodness of God because of their fallenness, only people who've had the upgrade, the Christian upgrade, can see goodness. They're really the only ones who should make laws. And Sean Fuchs and uh, the founder of Turning Point walk right over a line that I'm very uncomfortable with them walking over in saying Christians need to have more influence in our government than non-Christians to make sure that our government does what's good and right. And that is a version of Christian nationalism. In other words, Christians make better leaders in America government, and they would even argue, I think, across sectors, media and entertainment and finance and business and all the rest, that Christians are better leaders because they're the redeemed ones. That is a version of what I would say is Christian nationalism. Not, not that Christians shouldn't influence our society. I try to get Christians to do it all the time. I spend my, my energies and my life, you know, I'm not practicing guitar with your dad, to get out there and try to get Christians to do the right thing. Um, I'm all for Christians participating in civil society. I don't think Christians are better at it than anybody else, though. And I don't think we should be saying things like Christians are better or more real goodness pursuers than, than others. But may, maybe you all see it differently. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's an interesting thought. Um, what, well, the question that I have for you, Doug, is um, it seems almost like you're saying that you want to um deny the history of our founding of our country because uh if you study 
the founders. I mean, according to your definition of Christian nationalism, uh, I think most of the founders of our country would be considered Christian nationalists. They believed in the Bible. They believed in religion. They believed in, in and were influenced by Christianity, even if they weren't practicing Christians themselves. And they believed in the foundation of a good society to be based on the Judeo-Christian values. So they put, you know, all kinds of things in the, our founding documents. Like, for instance, they believed that our rights come from God and not from government. <clears throat> they believed that there was a creator, that we're endowed by our creator. And that, that supersedes government. So what that's trying to communicate, in my opinion, is <clears throat> that our God should not be government. Do you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. Okay, for sure. And yeah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not advocating for that. But I, I would, I would argue they were probably deists. In fact, yeah. many of the people that you've quoted, I'm not sure you would even accept them into most of the churches you might want to be a member of. I don't think their profession of faith would have been adequate. But setting that aside, matter. Yeah. No matter what their arguments were about Absolutely. how religion should be the foundation for morality, what they did not want was people using the Bible as the law. Right. What they demanded was no that there be secular. Oh, they absolutely do. In fact, Maddie, I would encourage you to consider the, the, the answer to the question about what the role of the Bible and, and the role of conversion in someone being able to understand goodness. Because what those founders knew, which I think a lot of us know, even now, I think it's fairly evident, self-evident, that people of many beliefs know what good is. People of many beliefs and non-beliefs and things that we think are important to believe in can have perspectives that are super powerful on what, what goodness is. And once we cross a line where we say, but Christians have a disproportionate amount of access to goodness or a disproportionate amount of access to what's right, and therefore their voice in the law should be more than others, now we're doing something different. And look, there are nations where, you know, England was this way for a long time, where laws couldn't contradict the Bible. And there's Hindu nationalists and there's Buddhist nationalists and, and there's, there's atheistic nationalist movements. The United States, though, is a secular society that has the participation of people from all faiths, but its laws, its government gives no benefit to any religion. The current Speaker of the House, as a devout conservative Christian, no more access to goodness than John Boehner, who's like, that's not my thing. I'm not into the Christian part of this, this, this community. There's no difference between those two when it comes to being the Speaker of the House and passing laws. And well, we let, me ask you, let me ask you this question, Doug. Please. Do you believe that... Um, and God we trust should be taken off our money. Oh, yeah. I think it's a ridiculous phrase we shouldn't have added in the 1950s. Absolutely. Why did we add that? Well, I know because it was a resistance to communism. Oh, well. So you, oh, you really. Yeah. So why do you think, why do you think the Washington Monument has Bible verses all over it? Oh, because many, many people who funded the Washington Monument really believe that their narrative was that the truths that they find in the Bible was what drove them and drove George Washington, a Mason deist, to be such a great leader. 
But that doesn't, the difference between, here's, here's the thing, Casey, and this is what I've really, I've tried to do in the teaching of the, in this, in the webinars and stuff, hasn't gotten through yet. I don't care what you write on the outside of that building or the outside of that monument. What I don't want you doing is using those Bible passages on the inside of Congress as your sole rationale. Versus on the, on the walls of inside of Congress too. Yes. Let me finish the sentence and hear all the words to use those same Bible passages as the sole rationale for no why your sole rationale. Well, then, then you have to say, if it's not the sole rationale, then it's mm-hmm. also other things. So the goodness that comes from Christians that they can access through Jesus has to be paired with some other goodness that there's that thing, those balloons again. I honestly have no idea where and how these balloons come up. Happy birthday, Doug. I didn't know. I I feel bad for people not watching the audio or the video of this, but every once in a while, like balloons. I I think you've got some fans out there, Doug. And and they're not, I don't even know how they get access to who, my my hand. But but the argument that I was making before the balloons interrupted me was, there's a difference, though, between saying Christians can access goodness through the Bible and then not Christians access goodness in some other way, because as you just agreed with me, it's not the sole purpose. And if you have anybody that will say to me, yeah, of course it's not the sole purpose. In fact, we would pass all these same laws without the biblical reference, then they're not a Christian nationalist. But when someone says, no, the reason we should have this law is because the Bible says this, th- that, that is just a rationale and an argument that we shouldn't have, in, in my view. That's the argument murder? that I've... You have a, you should have a law against murder because the Bible condemns murder. You should have a law against murder, whether the Bible says don't murder or not. Right. In some cultures, though, murder isn't wrong. I understand. But if the only reason, if the only reason you have that that you say we shouldn't murder is because the Bible says so, your morality is so low. Look, if if you have to, if you'd say I'd be all for murder. Look, me, Mr. Murder, doggone it. If it wasn't for that pesty Ten Commandments. I'd yeah. be all for murder. No, yeah. the rationale, and this is true on, on anything, right? Now, an issue of faith or something like how many times should somebody be baptized? You should probably get that from the Bible. Your belief about the teachings specifically of Jesus or the deification of Jesus or the Christness of Jesus, totally from the Bible, because it's all internal Bible stuff. But the other things that also come from elsewhere, the Bible is in agreement. Now, I'd love to do a whole deep dive with you. Maybe we could get the Jewish uh, leaders that you went to Israel with to talk about how Jews, non-Jesus followers, get to not murdering without being converted to the goodness of God through Jesus. That's a curious one that's important. And they will tell you, any Torah teacher will tell you, that's actually something that was true in all societies at the time, and the Jewish people were called to agreement with that. It wasn't coined by Moses. It wasn't a, it wasn't a well, Moses innovation. Yeah, but the Jewish people were the first monotheists. Yeah. So there's that. But let yeah, me ask yeah, you. I totally, I would agree with that, which is, I think, the debate of most of the Old Testament is, are we going to stick with the monotheism, or are we going to keep drifting back into the Yahweh worship of the other, uh, which has human sacrifices and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, and then Jesus goes on to even extend that further, right? And says, not only should you not murder, you shouldn't even hate your hate your brother. Shouldn't yeah. even hate. So it gets, hate it gets extended. Now, do we want to make, here's a question for you, do we want to make hate illegal? Well, God gave us free will. Okay. 
right. but we don't do that in murder. If you're going to say we, we murder is going to be a crime because the Bible says it, but then Jesus says, but if you hate your brother or speak out against him, you've done the same as murder. Do we want to make that a crime? Do you want to make lusting after a woman the same as committing adultery? Do you want to make that some sort of a violation? So, I mean, the, these are real questions that, that we should be asking once we invoke the Bible. Once yeah. we invoke the Bible as the rationale for our teaching. I, don't, I mean, I, I know you disagree, Doug, but I don't think most people that think like us would say we need to use the Bible as the sole source of laws in the United States. And I don't think even the founders were for that. The point is that morality comes from a sense of there being something else out there. There's a moral law that we are all accountable to. And that must mean it comes from something beyond ourselves and beyond government. So my question to you is, do you believe that our rights are given to us by God or by government? I think they're intrinsic to humanity. I don't think they're given by God. I, I think that that phrase, which may be borrowed from the, the guy in the deal uh, in the video, this idea that's given oh, by God, that, that, that sorry, I borrowed it from the Constitution. Yeah. Well, it doesn't say given by God, but um, it, yeah, it does. OK, dig it up. It's not going to be that phrase, but I get your point. You're you're inferring from it, which is fair. We do it all the time. Um, and I know it bugs you when you're like you're a literalist for one minute and then an inference uh, later. I'm the same way. It drives me crazy when people call me on it, but it's just not the same thing. Um, what does inalienable mean? Yes, it doesn't mean God given. Oh, inalienable okay. means it can't be taken from. It means what it's, it it's mean unshaped. Okay, what does it mean when it says endowed by our creator? Yeah, in, endowed means that sense that we have of goodness is intrinsic to us. Not endowed, the same thing as... Endowed means given. Yeah. It, okay, if you, want, if you want, then if you want to use the phrase, it was endowed There's by our creator, I'm all for you. And if you want to say that endowed simply means given, fair enough. But then use endowed is my point. And, and this, this happens a lot. Look, and it's not just here, and I'm not just being a pain in the ass. I might be being a pain in the ass, but not just being a pain in the ass. You don't get to swap words ever in anything and say, but it's exactly the same thing. There is a reason we have words, and words carry meaning. And I know I'm, look, I know I'm sounding like a postmodern deconstructionist here because I am one. But the words actually matter. And when someone says, well, the reason we should say that murder is wrong is because it's in the Bible, because some people say in some cultures, they say murder is not wrong. So we need to have a different authority. And then to later say, but we don't want to say the only reason that murder is wrong is because it's in the Bible. That's just something that when you spend a little time with it, you start to realize, OK, both things probably can't live together as well as I thought that they did. When you use the word intrinsic. The, yeah, the, I, I, yes. I, what I was trying to get to, what I was trying to well, get. What I was trying to do is get to. Yes. And, you, and you're welcome to say to me, the Constitution doesn't say it's intrinsic. It says it's in doubt. Right. There you it's go. kind of given, kind of intrinsic, kind of not to an individual person, but to humanity as a whole. And these people who went, who wrote the Constitution and wrote the amendments, 
and wrote the, uh, the, the introductions, spent a lot of time arguing with each other like we are right now about the words. So sure. this is a good American practice. And yeah. people who interpret the Bible and wrote passages of the Bible spent a lot of time arguing about them. It's a good spiritual practice. So this is totally what you do, right? This is, this is, this is how, this is how human beings make sense of a world and try to live with each other in it. So, uh, but I, I just want to point one more time. You either can say the Bible is the place we go, therefore murder, but not where we go when it comes to hate or adultery, or you don't. But don't pick one line and say, well, therefore, we're going to say murder's wrong because the Bible says so, because well, how else would we know? But we're not going to do that with other things. It, just we, we should stop using the Bible, partly and partly because I'm a Bible scholar. It really doesn't treat the Bible well. Like that way of being Bible, about, uh, using the Bible, that's not good for the Bible either. It's not good for any of this. Um, and, it, and it doesn't hold up, and it's not, it's not all that positive. And Christian nationalists tend to say things like, the, the difference between the word of God and the Constitution need to be reconciled. In other words, whatever's in the Bible, the Constitution would never contradict. You'll hear this argument a lot because they're both given from God or the Constitution is rooted in the Bible. So there's not going to be a difference. So if you run into something where someone says there's a constitutional right that you don't find in the Bible, they don't want to grant it constitutional right status. Now, that's not like just happening in churches. That's the argument basically given from Clarence Thomas about his view on a lot of things. That's a very well-argued conservative judicial opinion that the Constitution and the Bible should not be at odds with each other. So for some people, when they see LGBTQ plus rights being included in constitutional rights, they're like, that's not possible because it contradicts the Bible. So it can't be constitutional. And if that's a new idea to anybody listening or Casey or Maddie to the two of you, I promise you there's people that you follow who believe precisely that. That it, and that is what sits at the core argument of Christian nationalism, that the, the, the unity of Constitution and biblical instruction are so close that you're not going to end up with something that's constitutional that would be not biblical. And Do you think I, the and the framers of the Constitution were Christian nationalists? No. I think, so. I mean, I think some of them argued for it. I think there was, there was a very rich debate whether we should have... Uh, um, preference given to Christians or not. Some people were arguing for it. The determination in the First Amendment was it, w it won't be that way. But that was a that was a hard fought decision, partly because Pennsylvania was a religious colony. And there were mm -hmm. a lot of people who had only lived in what we now call the United States as colonies, as religious colonies. I mean, that, right. that's for sure. But when we became a union, that changed. The Christian nation narrative lost out to the secular nation narrative. And some people okay. have been wanting to get back to the good old days in 1776 ever since. <laughs> yeah, right. So what do you think John Adams meant when he said our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people? Yeah. It is. Look, yeah. hold on. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. What do yeah, you think? I think, he he's, I think he's wrong. I also think he was wrong to oh. say that only only white men should be found. should have full citizenship and the right to vote.
Yeah, look, the, the founders were wrong about a whole set of things. And we can go through a long list of things that the founders said. I think George Washington was wrong when he uh, advocated for the preservation of slavery with his own personal slave. I think he's wrong about all kinds of things. There are mm-hmm. so many things. The idea that you'd be like, oh, they can't be wrong. Look, I, I'm, I, they, no, they might be I, founders. They're not apostles. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not Jesus. And right. I have no problem, no problem at all with them being wrong. Do you have a problem with the founders being wrong about something? No, but I think that to uh, not honor uh, some of their heritage and some of their uh, yeah. influences sure. is wrong. Yeah, look, think- I'm, I'm, I'm going to take what they put in the in the Constitution, they put in the Bill of Rights, what they put in the Declaration of Independence, not what they put in another writing about something else to somebody else. I'm going to separate. The, oh, okay. So, the, when, so when Thomas Jefferson wrote the letter about the separation of church and state. 100%. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And when, and when I think it was Jefferson who cut, who cut all the miracles out of the Bible and has a version of, of the teachings of Jesus without the miracles. I don't think that was the right way to do it either. I think he was wrong about the Bible. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that, first of all, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Is that going to be our song for today? I think it should. should. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. In fact, I wrote a whole book about, I'm sure you've read it. It's called outdoing Jesus. Um, when oh, Jesus yeah. says the the miracles, you know the, the the seven signs that he performs. He says those things that I've that I've right. done. You'll do even greater works than these. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I've 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 okay. tome. I have a whole tome on miracles. Good, uh, good. All right, and you and of course you remember Al Michaels when he said that. When, yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I saw the I saw the United States beat Russia. Something right. I'm sure is still heartbreaking to the Republicans today to think that somehow the United <laughs> States ever won anything over Russia because boy, that's just mm-hmm. we'd yeah. never do that. <laughs> All right, so let me ask See, that's you this. Old, that's old school political humor just right there. Yeah. All right, we're at an hour and a half. Do you have a song? One more thing. One more thing. I just got to ask you one more question. Yeah, please. Please, please, All right. please, please, and, please. Um, I, may, I may have a song, but I have to grab my guitar. Um, so you may have to go first. That. Okay. Um, but my question is this. Yep. Do you believe, since you believe in miracles, do you believe that the United States founding that it actually became a country and a nation the way that it did and that it did was a miracle. Uh, no, uh, no, that, that would not be, that would not you be a standard. Think, you don't think there was any a standard by which I would declare miracles. So you don't think no. there was anything supernatural about the, the founding of the United States? Oh, I think there's supernatural things about the founding of all kinds of things. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I think God's participation in things all the time. I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think we should, consider it miraculous in that sense yeah Mm. Yeah. nope um we disagree on that one yeah do you think the united states and israel are like kinship brothers in the story of human history and that i saw your yeah what do you think what do you think uh, i didn't well here's what's funny uh doug is um you talked about the new israel but then everything you showed there was nothing, nobody said anything about the United States being the new Israel. Yeah, I know, but that's only because I didn't have all those clips because the thing was already an hour and 27 minutes long. I could have pulled up, I could have pulled up John Hagee all day long, my friend. I promise you the new Israel, the United States is the new Israel. There's no shortage. I felt like that is, that is easy material. People. I will say this. this. I believe that um, Israel was as you, claim Christian nationalists believe 
was the idea of God and was a miracle and a supernatural intervention. Uh, the Jewish people becoming a nation, both originally and in 1948. And I believe that the United States was also a miraculous supernatural event. Were those the only two nations? Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't studied enough other countries to, to know, but I think they stand out in uh, history as being something that God was uh, directly involved in. And so, yeah, so, so they're unique. I mean, that was the argument I was trying to make. And truly, I mean, when I, when I was saying that line, I'm like, boy, if Casey hears this, I hope he thinks I got him right. And I feel pretty good because I think I got you right. I think you I've never heard, would say, to be honest with you, I've never heard the term new Israel. Um, but oh, really, hmm. yeah, I never heard that. Um, but I guess I need to uh, study up on my Christian nationalism. Yeah. But I should, I should let Maddie have the final word. Please, Maddie, please save us from ourselves. I, I get to have the final word. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll end off on the Christian nationalism topic with this. I would much rather live in a Christian nation than live in any other type of nation, whether that be a Hindu nation like in India or a communist nation like in China or a post-Christian atheist nation like a lot of countries in Europe. Um, well said. I'd rather, I'd much rather be a Christian nationalist than identify in. And that's another, way. and that's another question that I'd love to have you talk about another time. So you don't want to live in, so you're not going to ever move to Jerusalem or Israel. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to live in Israel. Oh, I didn't say that. Oh, you said you'd rather I, live in a Christian nation than anywhere else. Judeo Christian. Israel. Let's oh, clarify. Okay. Okay. All right. Because it's not about Jesus. Because for you, it's not about Jesus. The Christian part is it can be Judeo or Christian because it's not Jesus specific. When it, to, when it comes to living in a free society, I would say that I would. Okay. Be for myself. Yeah. It's good. You could move to. I don't know. You could move to Scandinavia. Some Christian nations. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. One more I thing. I but but, but you do live in a second. I I will say though, Maddie, you do live in a secular nation though. So. And I hope you stay here. I mean, we need you in America, and I hope you don't leave us just because this is a secular nation. Please stick with us. Uh, we, we, need, were, we need you we and people were, like you. We were once a Christian nation, and we've become secular. That's my view. But let me ask you, Doug, real quick, and I'll leave it at this, I promise. Um, okay. What is the alternative? So I know you're against Christian nationalism, yeah. but I don't know what you're for, and I'd love to— I'm for a secular society. Oh, a secular society. Yeah. Yeah. At the government, at the government level where every religion and non-religion has an equal right to all the power of the government to function fully and completely in society without any limitations or benefits. No one should get extra benefits. No one should get extra limitations. All of us in this thing equal and together. That's what we have in America. That's what I'm for. I don't want to go back to another fictitious time or another real time where it wasn't that way. That's the world I want to live in. Interesting. All right. That's what I'm for. Of course, I was singing a song like, this is what I'm for. Uh, but I but I do have another one. Uh, Maddie, are you going to tolerate us singing? Uh, look, by the way, I started playing guitar like 679 days ago. So uh, unlike your dad, uh, I did not teach my children well. Uh, and I did not teach my children to play uh, to, to, to play guitar. Um, and uh, and I, I uh, notoriously can't sing. So um, the fact that at the end of these conversations, 
I sing and play guitar with your dad uh, separately. We haven't done one together yet, but we're going to. Uh, it's just a sign that uh, you can't only do what you're good at in life, because if so, then you're never going to get good at anything else. Good point. You got to well, be, yeah. be willing to not be good at things, you know? Yeah, yeah that's um, true. And, that's and true. Uh, you know, and I'm going to prove that, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, Doug, we always say that music is what brings us together, right? Yeah, it does. And, and, our, and, our, and our love for each other. Yeah, and and true. care about the goodness of people in the world and all the rest. Um, all right, can, can I do this song first, or do you yeah. want to get your guitar and do it first? Uh, no, you go. You go first. Okay, this is a Leonard Cohen song. Oh yeah. Uh, it's called "Come Healing," and it's one that I've been thinking a lot about um, uh, for all the things that are going on uh, with the, the the murders in Israel, uh, with the the war a- attacks in. Gaza, with the war in Ukraine, with the wars happening across Africa, with the, all, all the pains uh, that we find in our in our world, mm-hmm. um, and the things and the the long term pains have gone on in our hearts and all that. So it's called "Come Healing." Uh, it's much better to hear Leonard Cohen sing it, but it goes, "I'll gather up the brokenness and bring it to me now." The fragrance of those promises that you never dared to vow. The splinters that you carry and the cross you left behind come healing of the body, come healing of the mind. Oh, let the heavens hear it, this penitential hymn come healing of the spirit come healing of the limb behold the gates of mercy in our betrayery space with none of us deserving of the cruelty or the grace the solitude of longing where love has been confined Come healing of the body. Come healing of the mind. Oh, see the darkness yielding that tore that light apart. Come healing of the reason. Come healing of the heart. Oh, troubled dust concealing the undivided love where the heart beneath is teaching the broken heart above. Oh, let the heavens falter and let the earth proclaim, come healing of the altar, come healing of the name. Oh, the longing of the branches to lift the little bud and the longing of the arteries to purify the blood. Let the heavens hear it, the penitential hymn. Come healing of the spirit, come healing of the limb. Oh, let the heavens hear it, this penitential hymn. Come healing of 
the spirit come healing of the limb Nice. Very good. Very good, Doug. Thanks. Love Much better that. song than my singing or playing does of it. It's a real, real little treat. Uh, no, that's 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 a real treat, brother. That was that was very heartfelt. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it is. I, I nearly tear up. I, I I tried to. I couldn't look up at you too uh, while I was singing that. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, um, let me grab my guitar. You can talk to Maddie. All right, and, Maddie. And I, I promise, I just got a little short thing. I want to. Yes, that can be as long as that, and I can be three minutes and twenty six <laughs> seconds long. Uh, Maddie, Maddie, Maddie. Hey, uh, Maddie, are you doing your own podcast already? I sure hope you will. Um, you think I should do my own podcast? Yes. I have a lot of friends who do, but I also don't have a ton of time to do my own podcast. I, I understand that. Is that a lot of work to do your own podcast? Yeah, it can be. Um, but like a lot of things, once you kind of get it in your flow, then it's just a thing you do, you know? Um, uh, and you know, you could do something where you're like, look, I'm going to do four episodes at a time. Um, and I'm going to take a month to put four episodes together or something like that. And then you release them and you're like, here's my life. Cause you're going to be traveling the country working for this group called turning point USA and, yeah. uh, trying to get things. And I'm telling you, you're going to learn so much traveling. You're going to learn so much in conversations and interacting with all these people and just a wealth of goodness that would be so good for people to know and to hear and to share. And, and any chance you have to amplify your voice, I would just encourage you to do it. Well, thanks, Doug. I appreciate it. You think I should talk about my job and my podcast? No, I think you should talk about what you're learning while you're doing it. Like, okay. uh, you know, um, th there's this great line uh, that there's a guy named, um, uh, T-Bone Burnett. Does that name ring a bell at all? He's a, he's a music producer and writer um, for all kinds of songs you've heard. Um, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou was one of his famous ones. Anyway, great writer, Christian guy. Um, but he was asked why he doesn't write specifically Christian songs. And he has this great line. He said, well, when, like me, you believe that Jesus is the light, you kind of have a choice of two kinds of songs you can write. You can write songs about the light or you can write songs about the things you see because of the light. Hmm. I write the second kind. And I was like, God, that is such a, that's just a great perspective on Christianity, but it's also a great perspective just on like, it's not a, it's not a podcast about your job. It's a podcast about your experience while you're doing your job, the yeah. things you see because of your job, right? It shifts <laughs> it from the noun to the, to the, to the vantage point. Um, so anyway, I just think, I just think, we should have more people saying more things about more topics that matter than we do. We, we, we can't live in a world where we keep telling people to be quiet. Like, oh, just doesn't, yeah. just doesn't do the world any good. Oh, yeah. People don't need to be quiet. People need to wake up, speak up and stand up. You know, in my view, that's so I hope you're one of those. All right, Casey, going to take you full screen. Right. Oh, I'm going to get myself out of the way so I can see your fabulous guitar. <laughs> in a long time <laughs> well, it's a good day here we you go be bad before you can be good so you'll be as good yeah. as you want amen i'm proud to be an american or at least i know i'm free and i won't forget the man who died to take that right to me so i'm 
Look at you two. They even did a little harmony there. Uh, hey, man, I remember I remember in, Casey, do you remember that thing at that church that we used to go to called Acts 29? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So somewhere in like 1997, I was led an Acts 29 trip. We, it was a music, like a music troupe that went out and traveled around. Yeah. We went to yeah. California, we went to uh, New York. And like oh, yeah. on the 4th of July, we were driving across like Niagara Falls. Uh, that song that song was playing yeah oh i uh, thought you were gonna say it was it was uh, a, a hymn that one of the churches sang in the worship yeah i sure hope not but i know a lot of churches, <laughs> I know a lot of churches do that you know Jeez. it's like it's like opening a uh, opening a, a a session of congress with a prayer yeah i, I can't stand oh, that either can't stand yeah, that so uh, knock that I, off i feel bad that i didn't have my my hat uh, cause I'm, you know, I'm out of town. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But, you're in that, and you're in that newly liberal, uh, Holland, uh, Michigan yeah, area where they're voting for Democrats left and right. You gotta be careful. You guys got a chance to see that. Oh, that's great. LGBT. So, so Liberty guns, beers, and tacos. What's the, oh, Trump. I literally couldn't see it. I'm sorry. I have a small screen in front of me. It was Trump. Yeah. LGBT. Yeah. And again, I'm the one who loves Trump, right? Right. right. <laughs> I'm the guy. I, I'm the guy. I get it. I get it. Hey, well, you know what I do love? I love the two of you. Uh, Maddie, I know I barely know you. Uh, and I hope that's not weird and creepy, but uh, all the goodness and love to you from all the lovers of my world here. And uh, Casey, love you, buddy. Love you, man. Thanks for the time today. Uh, and anybody who stuck around for an hour and forty-five minutes of this, uh, <laughs> love, love yes. to all of, love to all of you. Uh, and you know, you have other things to do. Go, go, finish your to-do list. Or if you like, I don't know, if you're cleaning the kitchen and listening to this, I'm sorry, yeah. your kitchen took an hour and forty-five minutes. To <laughs> take it, take it in small chunks next time. All right, anything else we need to say? No, I think we're good, brother. Thanks so All much right. for doing this. And, uh, Maddie. you know, maybe Maddie and I will start our own podcast and we'll call it Vote Common Sense. That would be great. That's what we're going to do. You guys should totally do Are you going to spell it C-E-N-T-S, though, so you can talk about tax breaks the whole time? Common Sense. S-E-N-S-E. Uh, oh, uh, or sense. You could do all three. Boy, you could have a lot of fun with that. You could... <laughs> You it know. could be about aroma one day. It could be about yeah. tax policy another day. It could be about yeah, common knowledge. Really, are possibilities are endless. Yeah. Well, I was encouraging Maddie to start her own podcast. Maybe oh, yeah. her, even her own version of this. Like, find some friend along the way that you think it doesn't even have to be different on these topics, but on any topic, and talk to people about what they think about things. Yeah. People are fascinating. People are unbelievably wonderful and fascinating. Yeah. Um, Hey, Peggy wants to know the name of that song again. I think she was asking about God uh, bless the proud, USA. proud to be an American. God bless the USA. God bless, God bless the USA. USA. Uh, the song I did was called Come Healing by Leonard yeah. Cohen. Um, all right. Hey, Peggy just had another great idea. Uh, no. We come up hey. with a list, a list of things that we might change that might have changed your opinion, That uh, a list of things you may have changed your opinion about and why. 
That would be great. Casey, let's do that sometime. Let's let's gather up like three things each that we've mm -hmm. changed our minds on mm. and mm -hmm. come and talk about. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, let's do it. Totally. Yeah. Peggy, he's the best. All right, and Yabitz was in and the Squirrely Pepper um, uh, is in. Squirrely Pepper. Yeah. Squirrely Pepper lifestyle. I'm just going through the list of people that are a whole bunch of people. Beth. Um, uh, Mr. Frank is on everything down in the rights in the Constitution. In fact, that's a declaration of independence, but it's kind of okay. okay. I'm uh, glad. Yeah, you know, fair enough. Like that, <laughs> that that could be one of the things on your list. Like, hey, you know, I I, I, mis I misremembered if it was in the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. I've changed my mind on that now. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, at least she agrees it's there. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy had a great line. Uh, we all have a disproportionate amount of judgment about each other. Now, here I went out. I forgot to run through. Maddie, this is another thing I like to do is go through the people who make comments. There are so many, too, and I'm just picking out, plucking out a couple of them as I quickly scroll through. Um, JB uh, says, thank you for your sanity, fairness, and humanity. This is not America's war, but if they make us pay billions of dollars and face the consequences, then we should have a say in the matter. I think that was probably talking about uh, what's going on in Gaza as opposed to Ukraine, but I don't know. Um, and then, uh, the duck daddy, uh, was also on. So, uh, thanks to all of you for all the good things that you had to say and, uh, and for sticking around and being a part of all this and share with your family and friends that you feel like have two hours to burn, especially if they're listening to Joe Rogan for three hours, my goodness, give them a little bit of a break from that business and give them a, give them a palate cleansing. Uh, all right. Last word, Maddie. Um, God bless you. Amen. See y'all. All right, buddy. We'll see you.